You children head to the back. We've got some good people there to take you downstairs for Children's Church. Let's pray together as they go. Lord, we are so grateful for your presence here with us and the privilege it is now to open the Bible and let your word speak to us. Lord, we pray that as we come before you today that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be ready to receive your word. We pray you would impress upon us the truth. And Lord, help us to leave here having encountered you, your holiness, your goodness, your mercy. And may we leave here having done whatever you are leading us to do. You know every heart, you know every need here. And Lord, if there's someone here today who needs to give their life to you, take a stand for you, whatever it is you are laying upon our hearts, may we not leave here until we have been obedient. Thank you for what you're going to do, not only here, but among our children and those who are leading them in Children's Church. Just bless this time. According to your will, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's turn in the Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at a number of verses today as we think about the meaning of holiness. We have been undergoing, undertaking a study of the holiness of God since Friday evening using material from the great R.C. Sproul. We have been watching some messages that he delivered on this subject, and I'm going to try to convey to you the essence of this particular message have had it and I have some added some other things, but thinking about the meaning of holiness. This passage in Matthew 6, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, preached by Jesus, the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And here in this part of chapter 6, Jesus shows us how to pray. He gives us what's often called the Lord's Prayer. It's actually a model prayer. And right at the beginning of the model prayer is something that's very key about the holiness of God, the meaning of holiness. Let me read this passage and then we'll look at this more completely. Beginning at verse 5, Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those 
who trespass against us, or as the New King James says, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we know that this model prayer, it, it shares with us what Jesus viewed as being the key to prayer. And this prayer concludes with what? For yours, for thine, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. But right there at the beginning is, Hallowed be your name. As we've been thinking about the holiness of God, we have seen the importance of it because the holiness of God is actually not just a characteristic of God. It's not just an attribute of God among many, but it really is the essence of who God is. He is holy in his very essence. And it is at the core of who God is. And we who are unholy, and that's all of us, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Therefore, when we try to think about or enter into the presence of God, it is so difficult for us to grasp just how holy God is. And so we, we're shielded from that. We try to avoid really understanding even how holy God is because the more we see the holiness of God, the more we see our own sinfulness. You see, the holiness of God is so important because if we don't understand how holy God is, we don't know who we are, really. We won't see our need for God. And as we live our lives, we won't understand what is right and what is wrong and how to go about life itself because the holiness of God helps us to stay where God wants us to be. But if we go through life as if God is not holy or God is not much more holy than we are, then it's easy for us to find excuses for all the things that we would do that are not what God would have us to. It's traumatic to come into the presence of God and to be in the light of his holiness and his majesty. It's traumatic. And in this study, we've looked at some people who were in that great presence of God. Isaiah, given that great opportunity to see into heaven in Isaiah chapter 6. And when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, it led him to say, Woe is me, for I am undone. In the presence of the holiness of God, he saw himself for who he was. And this was probably one of the, as we talked about, one of the best men of Israel. He might have been the most righteous man in all of Israel. But when he was in the presence of the holy God, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. In other words, he disintegrated in the presence of God. The word undone means to disintegrate. All of his righteousness, he realized, was really nothing. And so the holiness of God then related to justice. We talked about how 
It's easy for us to become accusatory toward God, demanding things of God, uh, saying that God is not fair, God is not good when things don't go our way or when something happens that we can't explain. It's very easy for us to become negative toward God. That's a mis That's to not understand the holiness of God. Because if we have that rightly understood, we would never accuse God of being unjust. In fact, if none of us survived another day, if God ended all of our lives this very day, He would be certainly within His right to do so. Because none of us deserves anything from God. We don't deserve it. Everything we have that is good, every day we live, is the mercy of God poured out on us. And instead of coming before God with arrogance, we ought to say, thank you, God, for one more day. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for me. We don't want to ask God for justice because he might give it to us. We want mercy. And the normal course of God in, in his great love is that he pours out his mercy upon us. He doesn't give us what we deserve because of the righteousness of Christ. And then we talked about how it's not our righteousness that makes us able to stand before God. You see, if you have a right understanding of the holiness of God, you will have a right understanding of salvation. That it's by grace. It's not by works. Any church, any denomination, any individual that is preaching or teaching a works salvation that you can get to God by what you do. You, you can make yourself acceptable to a holy God by the things you accomplish. Doesn't understand the holiness of God. God is so holy, we can't even begin to approach God based on our righteousness that we can work up or manufacture or accomplish through ritual or through anything else. We can only stand before God if he bestows upon us a righteousness that is outside of ourselves. And that's what Jesus provides. Jesus came, you see, to take our sin upon himself and to die for us and rise again so that through his righteousness, through his perfect sacrifice, we are now clothed in his righteousness. If you understand the holiness of God, you will see that you need Jesus. There's no hope without him. It can never be what you or I do on our own. And that's why Jesus came for us. The wonderful thing is Jesus did come. And he's ready to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to give us His righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ we stand 
in that he has clothed us with the moment we ask him to come into our life. And then we come now to the meaning of holiness. You would think we would have talked about the meaning of holiness at the very beginning. But really, you can't see this meaning of holiness until you understand something of the holiness of God, that it's at his very essence. Well, there are two basic meanings of the word holy as we find it in the Scripture. When the word holy is used, there's a primary meaning and then there's a secondary meaning. The secondary meaning of the word holy, it's talking about a personal kind of righteousness, a moral purity in the way that we live. And that's often what we think of when we hear the word holy. And we, we, isn't it interesting when we talk about holiness? We, we instinctively kind of draw back from that, don't we? If somebody says to you, oh, you're so holy, you're holy, you would instinctively kind of draw back from that because you would think, oh, I'm not. At least I think most of us would. You just don't know me very well. That really is the attitude we should have as we come before God. But it's the, the word holy means a personal righteousness, but the primary meaning of holy is separate, apart, other. And so when we talk about the holiness of God, we are saying that God is not like us. He is separate. He is different. He is other. He's the, the perfect definition of other. He isn't like me. We've worked so hard to try to make God seem so much like ourselves because we want, we want people to understand that God loves us and he wants to be close to us. And we talk about God being our friend and, and all of those things. And all of that is true, but it can lead us to forget that God is not like us. God is other. He is separate. He is different in his very essence because he is perfectly holy. And God wants us to come out from among them and be separate. Doesn't that, isn't that what the scripture says? We are to be separate. We are to be holy. And we can't do that without the righteousness of Christ. That's why we have to have Jesus. Only he can make us to be able to be separate, to be different from the world around us. When you look at the Bible, you see the term holy used many times. Not only is God described as holy, uh, the Holy Spirit, of course, which is the spirit of God. The, the term holy is applied to him because he is God. But, in, but other than to God, we see holy ground mentioned. We see holy vessels. We have holy moments. And it's interesting, those who study cultures and, and civilizations, every single one on the face of the earth has had holy things, holy places, holy moments. It's built into us. We're created by a holy God. 
We have a need to have connection to the holy and righteous God. He made an empty place in all of us that only he can fill. People try to fill it with so many things. But to the atheist and those who deny the existence of God, this is a riddle that they try to solve. If there is no God, why has every civilization that has ever existed on the face of the earth had a desire to get in touch with God? Somehow, some way. A desire for the holy. That's because God created us for himself. And only he can fill that empty place. Think back to your own childhood. Was there a special place that you would go to when you were sad, when you were discouraged, when you were afraid? Was there a place that you would go to that was separate? You could call it holy in that respect. May have been your own room. May have been a certain place in your room or in the house. It may have been out in the woods somewhere. You would go and just get away and get alone or a place you could walk. There may still be places like that for you. There's a desire, you see, for a separate place. And that comes from this need we have to be in touch with the holy God. We have holy moments. Think about the word holiday. What does holiday mean? Holy day. Special day. A day that is different. A day that is set apart for a special meaning and purpose. We observe holidays, holy days, all through the year as a society. The need for the sacred, for the holy, is built into us. And only the holy God can ultimately fill that great need. R.C. Sproul told about teaching a seminary course many, many years ago where he says he committed the unpardonable sin of a professor. He lost his temper with a student. He said, I was lecturing on the Lord's Supper, and this student put his hand up, and I acknowledged him, and he said, what's the big deal about the bread and the cup? Why do we have to do that? Why can't we just have peanut butter and jelly and Coca-Cola? Dr. Sproul said, that's when I lost it. I just felt this rage flowing up out of my soul. He graded my sensitivity when he said that. And instead of giving a polite, genteel, professorial response to him, I said, you want to know why we don't use peanut butter and jelly and Coca-Cola for the Lord's Supper? Because Jesus didn't consecrate peanut butter and jelly and Coca-Cola. Well, that's right, isn't it? Dr. Sproul said, I just wanted to kill him at that moment. (laughs) That's not good for a seminary professor. But why? Because for R.C. Sproul, this young man had profaned something that was, was sacred, was holy for him. You see... We all have the need for holiness. 
We, we, we draw back from it. We don't really want people to call us that. But the truth is, God has set us apart for himself. He wants all of us to receive the righteousness of Christ. He wants us to be made holy in his sight. Not make ourselves holy, but be made holy in his sight. And then in this world that is so dark, so full of sin, he wants us to be a shining light of the holiness of God. What makes the difference? It's the touch of God. God is what makes a place holy or a person holy. It's the power of God that takes the, the common and makes it uncommon. To take the unholy and makes it holy. Only God can do that. But praise God, God will, God will do that. Here in Matthew 6 that we read, here we find living out holiness. And it begins with recognizing that God is holy. We're not going to live out the holiness of God if we don't understand that God is holy. And as we revere him and as we honor him, then we are going to want to reflect his power and his love and his holiness in our own lives. What is the first petition here of the Lord's Prayer? Remember the scene the disciples had observed Jesus in all of his power. They had come to him. They noticed this link between his power and his devotion to prayer. Jesus would sometimes go up very early in the morning. He'd go off by himself and pray. They obviously had observed all of that. So they come to him. And here Jesus is trying to show them, teach them how to pray. He said, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the religious leaders of Israel, the religious crowd. What did they do? They would stand in the public places and they would say these uh, flowing prayers, these impressive prayers, wanting to be heard by everybody. Jesus said, don't pray like that. They already have their reward. Their reward is being seen and heard by men. They're not, they're not going to get anything from God because they're not trying to get in touch with God. Don't pray like that. And here he gives us the model. He said, in this manner, in this way, pray our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Now, some, you see, don't treat this as a petition. They don't think the petitions start until you get down to give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Lead us not into temptation. But Dr. Sproul said he believes, I think he's right. This is the first petition of the prayer. Hallowed be your name. If it's just an introductory statement, Jesus wouldn't have said it this way. He would have said, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. But he doesn't say that. He says, hallowed be your name. May your name be regarded as holy. When we pray, we should pray that the name of God 
God would be regarded as holy in this earth. Beginning with the holiness of God. That's what a hallow would mean. Set apart, holy is your name. May your name be regarded as holy. And then everything else flowed from that. When we get the holiness of God right, when we are in touch and in focus that God is holy, it will then order and guide all of what we need to do in the life that we live. And when we understand that His holiness is not something that we can ever accomplish or obtain on our own, only through Him bestowing His righteousness, His holiness upon us, only then can we stand in His presence. And then Ezekiel 27, it made it into the Ten Commandments. What did God say? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Why was that so important to God? Because it means we understand how holy he is. That we're not going to use his name casually. We're not going to use it as a swear word. We're not going to use it as if it's worthless and nothing. Instead, we always lift up and magnify and glorify the name of God. As we live our lives, in our lives, may we regard God as holy. May we reflect that in the way we honor him in the way we talk about Him, in the way we share Him with other people. If we don't do that, who's going to in this world? The people of God, we must regard God as holy and share His love with people. But His love begins with His holiness. He's so holy that we need to be forgiven. And He's so holy that that forgiveness can't come from us. But in his mercy, he sent Jesus so that the righteousness of Christ might become our righteousness. An anonymous writer said, a holy God calls his people to holy living. It is inconceivable that it should be otherwise. And Robert Murray McShane said, Lord, make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be. He had that right. Only a pardoned sinner, only someone who's received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ can ever stand before a holy God. Would you pray with me? We thank you, Lord, that in your holiness you also display your great mercy, your willingness to receive us. We pray if there's someone here today, Lord, who has captured a sense of your holiness and they understand they need your forgiveness, they need the righteousness of Christ, may this be the day that they're willing to say, Lord Jesus I know I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life. 
I give my life to you. There may be someone here today, Lord, who has received you into their life and they need to take a stand for you. They need to publicly stand and say, I believe in Jesus. I've given my life to him. I want to follow him. We pray if that's the case, Lord, you'll give them the courage in just a moment to come and to publicly take their stand for you. Maybe they've thought about it for a long time. They may have received Jesus years ago, but they've never taken a public stand for him. May this be the moment and the hour. And use that witness, Lord, to touch the lives of many. We just want your will to be done in these moments. You lead us and help us to follow. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.